Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, and here once again with Katie Goulis. You know, the Eastern churches are churches everybody ought to be keeping an eye on, especially in particular some of the Slavic-based churches, such as my own and the church in Ukraine, and also, of course, the Eastern churches in the Middle East, because as we keep saying here in Light of the East, the Eastern churches, both Orthodox and Catholic, find themselves today at the epicenter of some of the world's biggest global issues, and also issues in the church, issues that have profound impact in terms of unity in the church and ecumenism. And we're at a state right now, in particular in the Slavic-based churches, in which the question of unity takes on a whole new dimension because both churches, the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church, which is my church, and it's a Slavic-based church, and also the Ukrainian church, which is very, very similar to ours, to mine. In other words, they come from the similar region of the world in Central Europe, where the Carpathian Mountains are, which are actually the lower Tatra Mountains. It's that actual epicenter of Europe. Both of these Slavic-based churches, Eastern churches, have lost their leaders. Our leader, Archbishop Basil Schott, died some time ago. We are awaiting the appointment of a new archbishop for the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church in America. See, for us, for my particular church, the ranking prelate in our church is an archbishop. 
Some Eastern churches have patriarchs or what they call major archbishops. This is the case for the Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic Church in the country of its origin, in other words, in Ukraine. There's been some recent and interesting news about the major archbishop for the Byzantine Catholics in Ukraine. His name is Cardinal Lubomir Hussar. That's right, Father Tom, and we have an article from the National Catholic Register online by John L. Allen, and it's called The End of an Era in Ukraine, and it says... End of an Era. Yeah, End of an Era. We better pay attention then. (laughs) The article says, February 10th marked the end of an era for the Eastern Catholic Churches in union with Rome as the best-known Eastern Catholic leader in the West is stepping off the stage. The Vatican announced that Cardinal Lubomir Hussar, who turns 78 later this month, has resigned as the leader of the Greek Catholic Church in Ukraine. The church will shortly organize a synod of bishops to elect its successor. Technically, the Vatican recognized Hussar as the major archbishop of Kiev Halish, but the world's 6 to 10 million Greek Catholics, both in Ukraine and in immigrant communities elsewhere, have regarded him for the last decade as their quote-unquote patriarch. Now, this is very significant, especially as I mentioned before, In terms of ecumenism, first of all, a couple of things for our listeners' benefit. The word Greek Catholic that you read, Katie, Greek Catholic does not refer to a nationality. In other words, the people of this region, just like my church, were referred to as Greek Catholics, not because we were Greek, but because we were evangelized by Greek Byzantine missionaries back in the 9th century. What happened was a big part of this region of the world, we're talking about Austria, Hungary, Slovakia, Romania, Croatia, that region of the world, was dominated at one time, a few centuries ago, by the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, led by Empress Maria Theresa, who was a Roman Catholic. And as her empire expanded and included these Slavic people in her empire, she knew that their Catholicism was different than hers as a Latin Rite Catholic. And she knew that it came from the Greek missionaries centuries ago. And so she referred to us as the Greek Catholics, meaning we received our Christian heritage from the Greeks, but we are not by ethnicity Greek. We're actually Slavic. So that's one thing to understand, and oftentimes that's confused, because in our cornerstones in our churches, it often says Greek Catholic Church. Most of the time, though, we refer to ourselves as Byzantine Catholic, or in the Ukrainian's case, Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic, so as not to confuse us with the ethnicity of being Greek. But Greek is where we got our spiritual heritage from the Greek missionaries, people like St. Cyril and Methodius in the 9th century. And also what Katie read here was very significant in terms of ecumenism because the Ukrainian people, the Ukrainian faithful, the church in Ukraine, are very committed to this idea of having their own patriarch. You see, in the Eastern churches, the ranking prelate, in many cases, is a patriarch, which is actually, in a sense, a form of pope. In fact, the East looks at the Pope of Rome as the patriarch of the West. That's actually one of his titles, the Patriarch of the West. That's how he was seen, certainly in the first thousand years of the church. So some Eastern churches still have what they call patriarchs. In other words, that's the leading prelate, the ranking hierarch of that particular church. In other words, the buck stops there, as it were. It's not that the Pope is not connected with that patriarch. In fact, the Pope is. We are in communion with the Pope of Rome. All Eastern Catholic patriarchs are in communion with the Pope of Rome. But by and large, the governing head of these churches is their patriarch, which in a sense is like a Pope. So the Ukrainian people have looked at Cardinal Hussar for a long time with the eyes of him being a patriarch, as it were, though he officially is not proclaimed a patriarch. He is nonetheless 
seen as such. And it is their desire in Ukraine, among many of them, most Ukrainian Catholics in Ukraine, is that he would be proclaimed a patriarch. Not, not only he, but also anyone who would succeed his place as the ranking prelate of the Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic Church in Ukraine. Now, this is significant because it kind of sticks in the craw of another patriarch, and that's the Patriarch of Moscow. In other words, the Russian Orthodox Church has a big problem with this. Because one of the reasons they have a problem with this is because the Patriarch of the Ukrainian Byzantine Catholics would actually become the Patriarch of Kiev. Right now, he's in the city of Lviv, which is also another great city in Ukraine. But the origins actually are in that city of Kiev. But that's also where the Russian Orthodox Patriarch governs as well. In other words, he governs that area of Kiev now. So there'll be a bit of a, well... A <laughs> a consternation as to who actually is going to be the patriarch over that particular very significant city and region. And so there has been for centuries a kind of a tension, a geopolitical tension between Ukrainians and Russians, even aside from the church matters. There has been throughout Europe, actually, Europe has had a long history of different kinds of tensions between ethnic peoples. That's part of how Europe was settled and carved up into different nations. So there is that history as well. And there's also the tensions that happened over time in the church. Remember, we always teach our Light of the Eats that it is really impossible to separate out any of the Eastern churches, both Orthodox and Catholic, from their ethnic origins. It's not that their churches are defined, per se, by ethnicity. And sometimes ethnicity does get in the way. But the fact is, you cannot really easily separate or compartmentalize out the spiritual heritage from the ethnic heritage. So these things bring about high emotions and really some high drama and high considerations and dialogue and negotiations. So right now, the Russian Orthodox have a problem with the Ukrainians wanting to proclaim their leader in Ukraine, their Byzantine Catholic leader, as it were, a patriarch. And so it's a real kind of a puzzlement for Rome, actually, because Rome wants to be faithful, of course, to its own people, which are the Ukrainian Catholic people who suffered greatly out of loyalty, not only for the gospel, but for loyalty to the Pope of Rome, even though they had their own major archbishops and archbishops and other Eastern rites have had their patriarchs as well. Nonetheless, the people of Ukraine have suffered greatly out of their faithfulness to the Pope of Rome. And at the same time, Rome, of course, is very much interested in unity with one of the major and most significant of the Orthodox churches, that is the Russian Orthodox Church. So, what is the Pope to do? I guess we'll just have to pray. But there's more to the story as well, Katie. That's right, Father Tom. In 2001, Hussar was elected Archbishop. Though the Office is for Life, Hussar made it clear beginning in 2009 that he intended to step down, in part because of declining health. Over the years, Hussar has been easily the most articulate and theologically engaged of the Eastern Catholic prelates. For a brief period, there was a mini-flurry of speculation that Hussar could be a candidate to become Pope himself. Yes, in fact, that speculation, Katie, actually part of it came from one source was from a secular magazine. It was Newsweek. In a press conference in Kiev, Hussar said that in his retirement, he hopes to do some pastoral work with youth and with various professional groups, among other things, helping to ensure that, quote, nothing from our church's past is lost. This is a moment of special anxiety, as Father Tom said, for the Greek Catholic Church in Ukraine. After a rebirth in the 1990s, the church played a key role in Ukraine's Orange Revolution. Today, however, a pro-Russian regime is once again running the show in Kiev. 
and the church has been experiencing some not-so-subtle intimidation from the state security service. The eyes of the Catholic world, therefore, ought to be on Ukraine in coming weeks, both to celebrate the legacy of one of the most remarkable Catholic personalities of our time and to signal solidarity with the church he led. Well, we're going to talk more about this remarkable figure of the Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic Church and the implications of all of this for ecumenism and unity in the church. So please stay with us here on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. Again, I'm Father Thomas Lawyer here with Katie Goulis, and we were talking before the break about how we need to keep our eye, or I certainly would invite you to keep your eye, and the world should keep its eye, on my particular church, the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church, because we are in need of a new archbishop appointment, and also, and perhaps more so, the Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic Church in Ukraine, because its ranking prelate, the major archbishop, a cardinal, Lubomir Hussar has resigned. He's stepping down because of age and so on. But it's interesting, Katie, you read that he's stepping down to work with youth, he said, <laughs> so that their heritage is not lost. So it's interesting that here's an older person in the later years of their life who is stepping back from their high position to work with young people. It's a testimony to the kind of person he is, the kind of spiritual leader he is. And I'm proud to say that 
we had the honor of interviewing Cardinal Hussar on this program, Light of the East. And so I was really honored to be in his presence and to talk to him about the situation in the Ukraine at the time and also other church matters and global issues. As Katie said, this very, very high-profile leader of the Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic Church was some people's bet to become Pope, but now he'll retire to just doing good old-fashioned pastoral work with, with young people. But nonetheless, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens, who takes his place, because there are huge implications in all this ecumenically, especially between the Russian Orthodox churches and the Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic Church, not only in the Ukraine, but actually worldwide. So this has global implications, very, very big implications for the church as a whole. You may have noticed some music we've been playing on this program today. You might even have recognized it if you have been tuning in to us over the past few years here in Light of the East. It is a selection of music from the Theosis CD. That's the CD that was put out by my parish of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic. And on this CD, there are hymns from our liturgy, from different various services, including the services of the Lenten season, the very rich and beautiful moving services of the Lenten season in the Byzantine Catholic Church, which in the Byzantine Church calendar, we are preparing, we're ramping up now to enter into the season of the Great Fast. In other words, Lent. We call it the season of the Great Fast, the season of the bright sadness. And the music you heard was taken from Psalm 137. It's a song of exile in which the Jewish people were in exile in Babylon. They were under Babylonian captivity. They were away from their motherland and they would sing the psalm, the song of mourning, of longing for their motherland. And the reason we sing this now is because we just celebrated previous Sunday, the Sunday of the Prodigal Son which of course has the whole theme of being in exile, being away from really our home, our spiritual home, being away from our Father, you know, through sin. See, as we approach Lent in the Byzantine Catholic Church, what we do is we move into it gradually by kind of building up with these different themes, these different themes that call us to look at the reality of ourselves. In other words, that we are all in exile because of sin. We have to come to grips with that. You know, there's a distance between us and our Heavenly Father. We are not as intimate in our relationship with God as we ought to be. We need to be honest about that. We are like the prodigal son. And so, on the Sunday, prior to the Sunday, we begin in the Byzantine Catholic Church to sing this mournful song of longing, as though we are the Jewish people in exile from their motherland. And we are in exile from our, our motherland. We're in exile as long as we walk on this earth. We are in exile from our true ultimate home, which of course is heaven, with our true ultimate Father in heaven. And so we sing this mournful hymn. Also, though, on this Sunday, we call this the Sunday of Meat Fair or the Sunday of the Last Judgment. Next Sunday will be the final Sunday of preparation as we enter into Lent. And what we do in these last two Sundays prior to Lent is we begin to then, in kind of a gradual way, in stages, start to give up those things which we are supposed to give up during the 40 days of Lent. In the Byzantine Catholic tradition, strictly speaking, we abstain from meat and dairy products through the 40 days of the Great Fast, the 40 days of Lent. But naturally, rather than go cold turkey into that, because that's not very good for you, we sort of move gradually into it in stages. So this Sunday is called Meat Fair. This is our Carnival or Carnivali. This is our Mardi Gras, as it were. We eat meat for the last time today, and then next Sunday we will eat dairy products for the last time. In other words, we pull back from all those very succulent, tasty foods that have a lot to do with fattiness or fleshiness to them because we're going to be 
entering a period in which we try to control the cravings of the flesh, especially those fallen cravings of the flesh. We're going to enter into the rigorisms, the ascetical disciplines of Lent. And the best way to do that is by conquering the cravings of our stomach, our appetites. Right, Katie? (laughs) Now, you have an interesting little twist on this in your life for this particular Lent. That's right, Father Tom. We're also supposed to give up alcohol during Lent, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that too, yes. (laughs) Well, the interesting thing is this was always really easy for me because even though I'm 23, I was always on a medication where you couldn't drink alcohol. So (laughs) like it wasn't a big deal for me, you know, but this year I've been able to go off of it. And once you're off of it for two months, you can start to have alcohol. So I was all (laughs) ready to celebrate until I realized that the two month mark comes smack dab in the middle of Lent. (laughs) So I was a little disappointed until I looked at the calendar and saw that the actual date is the Feast of the Annunciation, which since it's a feast day, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't have to fast on that day. Now you do not have to. You're not permitted to fast on that day. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) How about a church like that? It tells us to fast. It gets real serious. But at the same time, when it's not time to fast, it says, don't you fast. Go and celebrate. Eat the fat of the land, especially on the feast day of the Annunciation, which in the Byzantine church is a feast day, primarily the mother of God, although all feast days of the mother of God involve Christ. They're in a sense, at the same time, the feast of Christ. It's kind of like the rosary, the tradition of the rosary. The rosary has a repetitive prayer to the mother of God, but at the same time, its mysteries are a meditation on the life of Christ. So again, you always have that combination of Christ and the mother of God. For us, March 25th is our parish feast day, my parish of Annunciation, so we celebrate for that reason as well. But it's kind of interesting to see the place that mom has in the liturgical calendar and in, in Revelation. Mom sometimes even trumps Sonny Boy at times. In other words, Jesus Christ, liturgically, because even though, and this is interesting, because sometimes the Annunciation has fallen on the Feast of Good Friday, or in and around there, and that's a real liturgical nightmare for our, our liturgist. But it's amazing how strong the Feast of the Annunciation is, that it trumps everything. In other words, we do not fast. And if it, even if March 25th falls during Holy Week, the Annunciation sort of is the trump card. It kind of trumps everything. And part of the reason for that is because that is where everything began. In other words, there would be no death and resurrection of Christ had there not been the Annunciation. Plus, Mother of God just has such a (laughs) profound place in our liturgical calendar in Eastern churches that uh, mom, quote-unquote, kind of trumps everything, it seems. (laughs) And I think her son would have it that way as well. (laughs) Now, during this time, though, of course, the Sunday of Meat Fair during this week, liturgically as always, we have very poignant and moving expressions of the theology, of the meaning of what this day is drawing us into. And Katie's going to share some of that with you, some of the prayers that we say in the Vesper, the evening prayer service, also in the morning service for the Sunday of Meat Fair, in other words, the Mardi Gras of the Byzantine Church. When you shall come to render just judgment, O righteous judge, you shall sit upon your throne of glory. A river of fire shall flow before your judgment seat. The powers of heaven will be there with you. Filled with fear, all humanity will be judged according to their deeds. At this hour, O Christ, spare us. And because of your great love, grant that the faithful who pray to you may be given a place with your chosen ones. I weep and lament when I think of the outer darkness and eternal fire, together with Hades, the worm that consumes, and the gnashing of teeth. 
the unceasing grief that falls upon those who have sinned without measure and who have provoked you to anger, O God most good. Alas, among these sinners I am the first, but in your great mercy, O judge, save me. Alas, O my darkened soul, how long will you persist in sin? How long will you lie in laziness? Why do you not think of the dreadful hour of death? Do you not fear the awesome judgment seat of the Savior? How will you defend yourself? How will you be vindicated? Your works are there to convict you, and your actions witness against you. Moreover, time is growing short, O my soul. Hasten and cry out in faith. I have sinned, O Lord, I have sinned, but I know your love and your mercy. O good shepherd, in your goodness, do not deprive me of a place at your right hand. Well, thank you, Katie. As you can see, the very, very graphic and poignant liturgical text that we sing and chant during this day of the meat fair, Sunday, as we move into Lent. For those of you who want to maybe learn and hear even more about Lent, in fact, if you'd like to experience a mission, I am directing a mission. I'm giving talks at Holy Name Cathedral in downtown Chicago. If you're in the Chicago area and want to stop by, this is going to occur on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, March 14th to the 16th. That's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, March 14th, 15th, and 16th at Holy Name Cathedral in downtown Chicago. I'll be speaking there in the evenings and also doing a little bit of the prayer of the Byzantine Church during the Lenten season. So maybe I'll see some of you there. If not, I also want to thank you for tuning in to us. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer with Katie Goulis here on Light of the East. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, CatholicRadioInternational.com.